Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Welcome to the FitPro podcast and today's topic, considerations for incorporating pelvic floor exercises into your current repertoire. That's quite a mouthful. Um, Today we have Marietta Mahani with us, a fellow Australian who was Australian Fitness Network Presenter of the Year in 2018. She is also International Gymstick Master Trainer and Program Director and a Pelvic Floor First Ambassador. Marietta, can you just take a minute or two to tell us a little bit more about yourself and explain what's involved in being a Pelvic Floor First Ambassador? Well, Jane, I've been in the fitness industry for 30 years now and mainly group fitness. It's my passion. It's what I love doing. And in 2009, at the end of that year, there was an initiative that was created by the Continents Foundation of Australia to approach the fitness industry in regards to creating more awareness around pelvic floor health. I was very fortunate to be invited to that first uh, meeting and since then have been an integral role in developing the material for pelvic floor first, uh, for the resources, uh, information on the website, as well as running Core Foundations, which has been a very, very successful workshop initiative that's run in Australia now for several years that's invited many of the fitness professionals free of charge to learn about public floor health and how to implement it into their workouts. Um, just sort of moving on from that and bringing it to the Group X instructor, what soft skills should instructors demonstrate when teaching pelvic floor exercises? And can maybe you share some of your personal experiences or case studies? I think one of the biggest things that a group fitness instructor's role is when it comes to pelvic floor health is actually to be the person that starts the conversation. It's you're the one that will actually create an awareness. And in a group fitness class, you can mention something around about pelvic floor at the start of the class, or you can incorporate pelvic floor exercises in the actual workout. Myself, personally, I like doing it towards the end of the class, uh, just perhaps before the stretch, where we would actually bring the focus to pelvic floor and we would just do some exercises, maybe five or six different pelvic floor exercises It sometimes takes between five to 10 minutes, so it sort of depends on the class format and if it's specifically designed for that. Uh, The sorts of soft skills that you need is, firstly, pelvic floor is not an exercise where you want to go hard or go home. It's not that type of workout. It requires attention, focus, and a lot of use of excellent imagery. So, you know, when you're thinking about the sorts of soft skills, you want to be thinking about um, tone of voice, the type of language that you use, particularly depending on who the demographic is. So if you're dealing with predominantly older adults, your language tends to be very anatomical and appropriate, whereas perhaps if you've got a younger population, you can be a little bit racier. The whole point, though, is pelvic floor is not something that you can actually see working on the outside. It's a muscle that's internal. And so when you're asking people to activate or lift their pelvic floor, it's imagery like trying to draw in, draw up, uh, you know, squeeze against a tampon, think about closing your front and back passages. They're the sorts of terminology that you want to use. You want to do it nice and slow and 
also provide people with enough rest in between each contraction to effectively be able to do a second pelvic floor or third pelvic floor activation appropriately. And when we were talking um, a little bit before this podcast, you were sort of sharing some of your personal experiences and and just basically telling us how rewarding it was. Can, I mean, it, it was great, so I'd, I'd love you to share that with our listeners. Yeah, do you know, pelvic floor is one of those taboo topics. It's one of those things that people don't want to bring up or share with others. And I think since I've started this journey with pelvic floor first, the opportunity to have great conversations with women that perhaps would have never spoken about to anyone else. You know, I've had people say to me, no one's ever said this to me. And I don't necessarily always believe that. I do believe that information comes to people when they're good and ready to hear it. So there's a good chance that they perhaps heard it in hospital or from their physician, uh, but it doesn't really matter. They've, they've now heard it again and now they want to focus on it because it is a problem for them. The reality, Jane, is that when I look at my group fitness class, from a statistic point of view, I know 70% of them, if they're women, have an issue with pelvic floor. So the reality is 70% of them have a problem with it. There'll be some of them that want to address it now because it's really affecting their lives. There'll be some of them that might want to address it later or some of them that prefer to ignore it. But as a fitness professional, I like to take some responsibility on being able to help lead people in the direction that would actually help them to find a cure because a lot of this stuff can be easily fixed. Uh, My job, though, as a group fitness instructor, and let me make this really clear, is to refer It's not my job to cure. I cannot assess. This is something that has to be done by a women's health physiotherapist. And my job is to refer. So creating some uh, relationships with women's health physios in your area so that you can send people to them who will then send them back to you, knowing that you're being responsible around the type of exercises that you're delivering in class and implementing pelvic floor exercises in the workout. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's, just great. I love to to hear that. Um, what just moving on around sort of um, continued learning, I guess, what areas of continued learning would support instructors looking to incorporate pelvic floor training into their current classes or specialised classes? So this is a space that's constantly changing and constantly improving. There's a lot more research coming out around this. Of course, I'm now going to mention the Continents Foundation of Australia's website, Pelvic Floor First. And the Pelvic Floor First workshop has loads and loads of resources, resources you can download to read yourself and also pass on to your participants because that might be the best way and the easiest way to start a conversation. There's some videos there about exercises. There's a Pelvic Floor First app uh, that you can either use yourself or share with your members. All of these resources are free of charge. Uh, Thank you to the Australian government who funds all of this. But it is a really good website that's been designed with the fitness professional in mind. So it's not just generic information, it's information around pelvic floor and exercise. Thanks, Mary. That's a great tip and I'm sure everyone's going to head over there. Um, But I would like to add that we also have some great educators here in the UK. Um, Many of you would have heard of Cherry Baker and Jenny Burrell. They both offer workshops and courses in this area. So also head over to their websites and see what you find. Um, Just moving on, Marietta, what symptoms would members or clients be complaining about and how could instructors determine that their client might require 
more focused pelvic floor training. Okay. So let's talk about two parts to this. So let's talk about the first part of the question, which is what would they be complaining about? Incontinence is usually the issue. So there's two types of incontinence, well, actually three. There's what we call stress urinary incontinence, which is when uh, a participant may be uh, leaking when they cough or laugh or jump or sneeze or do a burpee or while they're doing a push-up or there's some abdominal exercises that they might find that just causes them way too much grief and stress. Uh, there's urge urge incontinence, which is when you notice that someone's going to the toilet more than once. They've gone to the toilet before the class. They have to leave the class to go to the bathroom again. And you might find that they'll leave at certain points in the class. For example, if you've got a workout that requires jumping lunges or jumping onto a box or something that's really high intensity, you might find that they have to dash off and come back. Uh, So that urge incontinence is something that is something that has to be addressed as well. And then, of course, there's mixed urinary incontinence, which is both urge and stress incontinence. So the red flags, and we talk about red flags when we talk about pelvic floor because people aren't going to necessarily complain about issues. They might mention that they've got a sore knee or a sore back, but they haven't had a diagnosis. They can't really put their finger on what the issue is. And what we do begin to appreciate is, and particularly with women, that they might be using that as a way to cover up what the real issue which real issue is, which is pelvic floor dysfunction. So red flags for an instructor, noticing if clients have to go to the toilet before, immediately after the class, during the class. If they're choosing not to do exercises and preferring to choose a low impact option, which is all good, that's fine, but they haven't actually indicated the reason why. Uh, So that's a fairly good red flag. You know, if you're having uh, clients that don't drink water, so often in my aqua classes uh, where your kidneys tend to overwork a little bit more because of the hydrostatic pressure, I often see that my older clients do not drink any water at all. You know, they're in a heat pool in a heated environment. They're exercising hard. They're not going to drink any water. And you'll notice that in a regular aqua class uh, with a younger population, there'll be drink bottles everywhere. Older population group, there'll probably be three drink bottles amongst 50 people. So that's also a definite sign that there's some challenges around incontinence. So it's not just about the people complaining about it, but it's also the red flags that as an instructor you need to be looking for. Okay, thank you. Um, What health conditions could potentially lead to or even increase pelvic floor dysfunction? So sorts of health conditions to be considered um, in this situation, things like constipation, constipation, um, you know, coughing, like when people have had a whooping cough or bronchitis, that can lead to pelvic floor dysfunction because of the load that goes down against the pelvic floor. Uh, Obviously, obesity. Obesity is a really big one. And interestingly enough, a lot of people with lower back pain, because what we are aware of is that the pelvic floor has an integral role with neurological control with the transverse abdominis. So usually people with lower back pain can sometimes also have pelvic floor dysfunction. But i tell you something else that's really interesting, and this is something that we've seen rise, and that's hypertonic pelvic floor. That's when the pelvic floor is too tight. Now, that will also lead to urinary incontinence, which is why you cannot, as a fitness professional, be going and giving them exercises uh, to strengthen their pelvic floor uh, if you don't really know what's going on. That's why referring is always important. But we're actually seeing this a lot more with younger women who are doing high-intensity activity, the HIIT training, and their pelvic floor is actually too tight. 
Um, and just like any muscle dysfunction, a too tight muscle will also have issues and urinary incontinence will be a sign of that. So, you know, we've got to be mindful of the fact that there's a lot going on and certainly all of it's happening where we can't see it. So having that relationship with the women's health physio is really important. Marietta, thank you for this information. I mean, it's just invaluable to the Group X instructor and I'm sure our listeners have really enjoyed it. I'd like to thank you for joining us today and and sharing your expertise and we look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you, Jane. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time.